Hello, mighty warriors of God, and welcome to MI15. Today is Saturday, November 21st, 2020, and this is day 999 of our journey together. Thank you so, so much for tuning into our podcast. My name is Jackie, and welcome, welcome, welcome to you. So let's go ahead and get started. Father, we honor you and praise you. There is absolutely none like you. Thank you so much for waking us up this beautiful, beautiful day to go forth and fulfill the purpose you've given us. Help us, Lord, to not get weary in well-doing for your word says in due season we'll reap if we don't faint. Help us, Lord, to stand firm on your word and, and on your promises to know that what you promised us will come to pass, that we should never doubt you. I thank you so much, my Lord, for strengthening our faith. Thank you for loving us unconditionally. I thank you for comforting the brokenhearted and healing the sick and blessing those who may be in financial need. I ask, Father, that you will speak today, that it be all about you and not about me. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God, everybody. Thank you again for joining us on MI15, Morning Inspiration for 15 Minutes. All right, so today's message is, you need to be dogmatic. Yes, dogmatic. We're going to dig in deep on that. (laughs) Okay, we're coming out of uh, Judges chapter 7, verses 1 through 25. We're still talking about Gideon. Oh, yes. Gideon reminds me so much of each and every one of us, the trials, tribulations, the fears, the the uh, insecurities uh, of what we are blessed with and how God has equipped us to, to go forth and be conquerors and victorious and, and how God had to show that to Gideon, that you have it in you. I put it in you and it's been there for you all along. So, so has it been with you. Uh, and he teaches us how to not uh, be fearful. So Judges chapter 7, starting at verse 1, and it says, Early in the morning, Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moriah. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into your hands. Now, Midian was huge. It was thousands upon thousands of them. They were, they swarmed, uh, the Israelites like locusts, it said in, in, uh, uh, prior verses and how they ravished the land of the Israelites. And I mean, they oppressed them greatly. And, and so the Lord is telling Gideon right now, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into your hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. So that's what he's saying. That men would say, I won this on my own. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. 22,000 men were afraid. Yes, so only 10,000 were left. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. If you say this one shall go with, if I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as dogs lap from those who kneel down to drink. 
300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. Only take those who are like dogs. <laughs> Glory to God. All right, so Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During the, that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up. Go down against the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp. The Midianites and Amalekites and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley thick as locusts. Their camels could their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Now listen, 300 men are going to defeat all these people that couldn't be counted that even their camels <laughs> were like that of sand that could not be counted. Gideon arrived just as as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. Uh, a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, this could be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his Hands. Oh my goodness, they're prophesying <laughs> what uh, Gideon is going to do. They are now thinking it. So whatever, whatsoever a man thinketh, so is he, right? They're thinking this, they're dreaming this. So verse 15, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Isn't that awesome? Sometimes God will give us a glimpse of what he is about to do and how he's going to give the enemy into our hands. And that's what's going to give us the courage, uh, you know, extra dose of faith, uh, give us that encouragement to go forth and and fight in whatever area that is, spiritually fighting. I'm not talking physical. I'm talking spiritual warfare here. <laughs> and I'm talking how we always have spiritual warfare with the enemy, our enemy, Satan, and how God is giving us authority over him. So verse 16, dividing the 300 men into three companies. So that's 100 per group. He placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout the Lord and for Gideon. He said, now I blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the, 
and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpet and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets. They were to blow. They shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran crying out, as they fled, <laughs> every one of Gideon's men were in position as God had instructed. And they did exactly what God said to do. We cannot go wrong when we do it like God said do it. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. They, listen. Gideon and his men didn't have to do a thing to them, but blow their horns and, and show the light. And all of a sudden, God made the men turn against each other, the Midianites. The army fled to Beth Sheeta toward Zariah, as far as the border of Abel Mahala, near Tabith. Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh were called out and they pursued the Midianites. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim saying, come down against the Midianites and seize the waters of the Jordan ahead of them as far as Beth Barah. So all the men of Ephraim were called out and they seized the waters of the Jordan as far as Beth Barah. They also captured two of the Midianite leaders, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb. They pursued the Midianites and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan. I know warfare is not pretty, <laughs> but this was needed. God God gave them the victory with the 300 men. Then later, the rest of the Israelites came out and pursued the Midianites. If you read uh, the prior verses, the prior scriptures and chapters, the uh, Israelites were hiding out from the Midianites for seven years. Now it was time to take a stand and begin to fight and stand up for your rights. Stand up for what belongs to you. Take back what the enemy has taken from you. It is time to take a stand. Listen, dogmatic people are very firm in their convictions, which which usually comes from some authority. This is some uh, version I got out of the dictionary. The authority is often religious, but doesn't have to be. If you're dogmatic, you're 100% sure of your system, despite evidence to the contrary. You notice that. Uh, Gideon was a hundred percent sure of God's system, the way God told him to do it. Dogma is defined as principles or rules that cannot be questioned or articles of faith in different religions. An example of dogma is the Ten Commandments in the Christian faith. Listen, we stand firm on our beliefs in Jesus Christ because we know that there is nothing there is absolutely nothing or no one that can defeat him. God is sovereign. 
God is in control of everything. So we must be dogmatic about that. We must stand firm on his word. His word is truth. His word has everything in it that we need to live. Every single thing. There is nothing new under the sun. Any situation that you're going through is in this Bible. His word never changes. His word, we change, we grow in him. But his word is the same. And his word is enough for us to endure and to overcome the obstacles and the trials and tribulations that come in our lives. Point number one, Gideon learned that he had to be dogmatic in order to defeat the Midianites and the men God chose to go with him showed they were dogmatic by the way they drank their water like dogs. 9,700 men were rejected because they they lacked the fortitude to take a stand for what they believed in. And 22,000 men left because of fear. We don't have room for fear. And if you have fear, give it to the Lord and go do it afraid. All right. It, sometimes, you know what, that fear might might linger a little bit. I can can tell you many times God has told me to do some things and, and I can remember one, go and stand up in front of a large audience and share something. I'm like, ah, oh, the very first time I had to do that, like, Lord, I don't want to talk in front of those people. And I had to do it afraid, knees trembling behind the podium. <laughs> and then after doing it time and time again, Trusting God and being firm and dogmatic about that because I knew if God said do it, he would go before me and he will do the same for you. What are you dogmatic about? Are you dogmatic about standing firm for for the Lord no matter what? Mm -hmm. No matter what others say, standing firm on his principles, You know, because the world stands firm on theirs. Oh, do they ever. (laughs) We must too stand firm for the principles of God. Point number two, when the Lord sends us out to complete an assignment, he always prepares the way. He does it in such a way that everyone knows it was him that did it. He does it in such a way that it slams every worldly philosophy, statistic, and systems. So trust him, be dogmatic and stand firm for the Lord, obeying his direction for your life and watch him bless you more than you could ever imagine or even think. Yes, he also uses you to be a blessing to others, to build the kingdom of God. And that is what it's all about. Winning souls to Christ, showing the love of Jesus to others. That is. That is a very dogmatic stance right there. I think about my brother who lived a short life. Well, 27, he passed on to go to be with the Lord. Um, But as I was studying this, the Lord put him on my heart. And uh, Craig, what a great brother. Uh, And I have one one more brother who's also fantastic. I love my siblings. And my brother was a year younger than me. And I remember when we were kids and we struggled, we didn't have much, (laughs) but we had so much love and laughter and fun. My mother, oh my gosh, she always 
would have this great uh, laughter and fun and we played games together. Well, when she was working, I was in charge. Okay, so she worked two jobs most of the time to raise us and provide for us and five of us, you know. So I remember my brothers always got into trouble. And uh, I re- Craig, my brother Craig was an artist. He knew how to draw. He was so talented. Both of them, you know, were so talented. But Craig, I'm, I'm really highlighting him today. He, uh, he could draw anything. Uh, he had such a great, uh, smart mind. And so we didn't. He needed markers. He wanted some markers to to do some artwork. And you know, I don't even know if my mother knew he needed that, but. You know, because I'm sure she could have bought those. But he, he and my brother went to the store and he saw some markers. So he decided to steal them. Yes. At the corner grocery store. Well, the corner fruit market stand that we would walk to like 50 times a day. So it seemed. Anyway, <laughs> he stole them, which that's not good. And he got home and he's drawing and, and he was just dogmatic about his art, you know, and my mother saw that and she goes, where'd you get those? And he said, from the store. Well, how'd you do? And she found out that he stole them. She marched him right back down to the store and had him give them back and apologize to the store owner. And later, my brother uh, continued on in his art. He was accepted to the uh, Nelson's uh, art gallery. He got a scholarship through them. Uh, he went to college for a while. Uh, he ended up working for Black and Beach uh, in drafting and uh, the arts. And and he just really grew in the Lord. And uh, I didn't realize he was saved uh, because we none of us were saved yet. And uh, he started going to a church and came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And here are some things that stood out about him that I loved. He dated a, a woman um, who had four children, I believe it was four. And he was steadfast and unmovable when it came to helping her and providing for her and, and being like a father to her children. Uh, we thought they were going to get married. They were together for so long. And it was just beautiful to see how dogmatic he was about that because he saw how hard it was for my mother when my parents divorced and, and my father chose not to help. And and he made it a point to shift that and to do different. And every time uh, anybody he was with, then he dated another woman uh, and she had two children and the same thing he did with her. He gave his all and he provided and, and whatever they needed. And, and then I remember a time uh, when my mother and my two younger sisters, they were, um, my mother, uh, was something had happened and, uh, it was like devastating and they did not have a place to stay. She, she was, uh, in the middle of getting another place to live. And it was going to be about a month before something like that, before she could move in. My brother had a studio apartment and <laughs> a studio is smaller than a one bedroom. All right. It is very small. And he said, no, mama, y'all stay right here with me. And they, my mother and my two sisters, lived with him for those 30 days. And uh, he always, he told my mother, he said, and he was saved at the time. He says, Mama, you don't have far to go when it comes to knowing Jesus because you're already a nice 
good person. And, you know, you already have all that. I'll never forget that. And how he showed the greatest example of being persistent in serving the Lord. Once he came to know Jesus, he went to church every Sunday. And later I came to know the Lord all over the whole family. But he setting the example, uh, even when we were younger, he would get my little, my little sisters uh, ready for school, help to do that, get them to school. He was firm in his stance. And I will always remember that about him. I know he's with the Lord. Uh, one day, I'll be there with you, brother. Right now, God has me here for this time. And I know that he would still be doing what the Lord would have him to do if he was still here. We must begin to be dogmatic about what God has given us to do if you're not already doing so. You know how when you were in the world, (laughs) like my brother was, he was dogmatic about getting those markers. Then when you come to know Jesus, you still have that same character, those same character traits, but God uses them to glorify him. You know, and and he'll change that fear into boldness and he'll change, uh, you know, that discouragement uh, into encouragement. Oh, look at God. He's speaking to you right now. Be encouraged and know that God is going to use you greatly. It's a matter of you yielding and trusting him 100 percent. You don't know Jesus. That would be the first step. Romans 10 and 9 says, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Ah, that is a huge step right there. Glory to God. Whoa, the angels are rejoicing because of you. I love you all so, so much. May the Lord bless and protect you. May his face radiate with joy because of you. May he be gracious unto you, show you his favor, and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Men. And remember, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And please check us out on our website, JackieBikesMinistries.org, J-A-C-K-I-E, Be Like Boy, U-Y-C-K-S Ministries.org. Check out the messages and please share them with others. Also check us out on any of the other podcast outlets. Please subscribe to our website by entering your first and last name and your email address and receive the four Greek words for love and learn more about God's agape love. All right, mighty warriors, go forth and make it an awesome day, fulfilling the purpose that God has given you. And I will talk to you later. Bye-bye.